you start playing. This, uh, the words of that song, and, and, and right now I'm sure some of you are starting to hum, hum the melody. Uh, it, this is a very familiar tune, and, but you know, it's amazing. You're singing this song all about Christmas and, and, and just God's love and all that's involved. And then you come upon this verse, and it's like, whoa, where did that come from? And in despair, I bowed my head. There's no peace on earth, I said, for hate is strong and mocks the song of peace on earth, goodwill to men. And it's like, oh man, what was going on? Well, the reality was when, when uh, Henry Longfellow wrote that, the world was in turmoil, especially the United States. We were in the middle of civil war and there was destruction everywhere. Uh, family members were attacking family members, not just verbally, but actually shooting and killing and maiming family members. Uh, it, was, it was such a horrific time for us as a country. And so that's part of the, the framework of those words. But in his own personal life, uh, Henry Longfellow was also walking through just, he, he'd been walking through some great tragedy. Just months prior to this, uh, when he wrote the song, his wife was doing some work around the house. And, and back in those days, candle was the lighting lots of times. And and she brushed too close to a candle and it started her dress on fire. And by the time they got it out, uh, she was so severely burned that the next morning she passed away. And just days before he wrote this line, he had got word from that his son, who was fighting in the Civil War, had been uh, severely injured and was not expected to ever walk again. So you understand now, you can understand how this is a cry of an honest heart. This looking at the world situation and looking at his own personal despair and saying, you know, I thought Christ was supposed to bring peace and hope, and, and that's not what I see. Uh, hate's strong. It mocks the song. that The angels sang as they, as they came and talked to the shepherds and said, you know, peace on earth, goodwill to man, because your Messiah has been born. And it just, he says, it, it mocks. What we see going on around us mocks that statement by the angel. And, you know, you read that, that line, and it really feels appropriate for here and now, doesn't it? We look around our, our country, but not just our country, around the world, but but probably closer to home and closer to our heart is, is things that we see taking place within our country. There is just so much division and hatred, uh, you know, violent rhetoric. And, and yeah, we haven't, for the most part, raised weapons against each other, but some of that has taken place. But it just, it's just a, uh, a distressing time when, 
when this whole idea of peace on earth and goodwill to men, again, it's like a mocking cry. It's like, well, yeah, when is this supposed to happen? Where, where is this supposed to take place? Because it sure doesn't feel that way now. And, you know, a lot of, a lot of the, the rhetoric that we are hearing and, and, and the battlefield that we are seeing uh, in our culture and in our, our area of the world, uh, it revolves around the sexes, you know, of, you know, who's the, who's the fair sex? It, it revolves around, you know, what should be allowed and what shouldn't be allowed. It, it revolves around, you know, who, who's the one that should be admired and who shouldn't. And it, it's all these conflicts and all these questions. And, and you know, it's interesting, uh, as we've been spending uh, time in Galatians chapter 4, verse 4, which is, which is our launching pad today as well, as we continue through this verse, uh, we, we've, we've kind of focused on this thing that he says that, that in the fullness of time, at the, the, just the right time, God sent his son. And, and uh, so we've kind of set it around that question that it's time. What, and what does that mean? And, you know, you, you look at uh, the circumstances, and especially the circumstances when, when uh, uh, Christmas began with that baby. And, and, uh, and you ask that question, why is it time? And, and in fact, this whole idea, this whole question mark, this discussion around, uh, you know, what's the fairest, what's the better sex, all these kind of things, they, they had settled that in their mind. They'd already decided that uh, women were pretty close to worthless, if you know anything about that time. You know, that the women were kind of, they, they were good for, a, for maybe two things, bearing children, gotta, you know, got to have them if we want children, and, uh, and for mundane jobs. But other than that, they really weren't that big of a deal. They had settled that question. In fact, uh, in, in one of their main prayer books of the time, and this is not talking about the scriptures, uh, the, the Old Testament scriptures, but they had prayer books that some of their rabbis had put together, and, and actually you women weren't even allowed to have those prayer books, but the men who had them, and one of the prayers that they were encouraged to pray to celebrate what God had done was this one, blessed are you, O God, for not making me a Gentile, a slave, or a woman. So that question they had settled. It was, you know, we got it figured out, uh, you know, Guys got it. That's just the way they had decided it was. And really the only, the, in fact, the scriptures are probably, were doing some remarkable things because God actually set down some laws of how women were to be treated and children were to be treated and, 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 uh, and had to do that because they were so mistreated. You know, it, it's such an interesting thing, and especially as we, as we move into the passage uh, this week because where we're going now as we continue through this, but when the time had fully come, God sent his son, born of a woman. Now, we've, we read those words, and, and they don't sound very remarkable to us because we've read them before, we've heard them before, especially Christmas season. You know, that's kind of one of those phrases that, that comes out and the whole Mary story and all this. And so that doesn't sound very remarkable to us. But I got to tell you, even in, in the, Paul's day, when he wrote this letter to the church in Galatia, instructing them about how to walk in their relationship with God. And when he made this statement, talking about the significance of the moment when Christ, when God decided to step into our world and take on flesh and blood, that phrase would have been remarkable to them. Born in many respects. Uh, They were still wrestling with that. And and, uh, and if you know anything, if you've really thought through the story, there, were, there was real reason to 
to struggle some with God's decision. As I looked at it, and especially as I went back this, this last week or so and, and reinvestigating it and renewing re, uh, uh, the perspective, it's just you look at that whole scenario and you, and you kind of come away with, if you're really thinking, especially if you're thinking of the time and the culture, you're kind of thinking, man, God, are you sure you thought this through? Because it sure seems like there would be better ways to, to accomplish if you, your purpose. If you want people to stand up and take notice that the Messiah has come, come, it really feels like you did it the wrong way. In fact, it's really interesting. Even you know, the, the, if you follow the news and the culture, uh, you, you've heard of the Me Too mo- movement. And, and I will tell you, uh, and this is my perspective, you don't have to agree with me, uh, but I have the mic, so I get to say what I think right now. But <laughs> I, I think that was a very needed, uh, or, or loosely, uh, you know, grassroots organization. Terrible things happen behind the scenes in, in our day that, that should have been exposed a long time ago. And so that aspect of it was right. And, but, you know, it's been kind of hijacked now. It's it's It's... Taken, been taken from the serious, seriousness of trying to make people aware of things that are going on, often between male and females that shouldn't go on. And now, now the, they're, this violent, angry crowd has grabbed a hold of it. In fact, even one of the things that came out this week was, is in this whole Christmas scenario, uh, looking at Mary and the birth of Jesus, and they made a statement basically that was this, that if you really examine that closely, what you will recognize is, is this male God figure has forced himself on this young woman, and, and the result was she had to bear a child, an unwanted child. And you listen to that, and, and, and even though I totally disagree with that, and, and, and Mary would disagree herself, you still got to ask yourself the question, God, there just seems to be so many better ways, especially in that time and culture, that to accomplish your purpose. If you want people to see that your son has come, the Messiah is here, and take notice, and there seems like so many better ways to do it than to set up this young teenage girl who, who ends up pregnant, and, and there's no father to be spoken of, and that spreads rumors, and plus she's engaged, and she almost loses that potential because of what's taking place with her, and she lives her entire life under this shadow, and it's in Scripture, this shadow of, in fact, one of the rumors was that she, that she was impregnated by, by one of the Gentile Roman soldiers, and that's why she was afraid to tell anybody. And so you look at it, and you say, you know, God, I... Man, that seems like a real poor choice of how to bring your son into the world. Now, that certainly wasn't Mary's perspective. Uh, in fact, as she told her story to some of the followers of Jesus, one of which was Dr. Luke, who wrote the, the Gospel of Luke, uh, she shared. And, and that, the only way they got the information was for her to give them the story, to tell stories. She talked about when the angel came to visit her, and, and she said, Here's what he said to me. Greetings, you who are highly favored. The Lord is with you. You will be with child, and you'll give birth to a son, and you're to give him the name Jesus. So she said that's that's the way it happened. And in her own perspective, certainly wasn't the perspective of whoever made that statement about 
uh, how, of, about God and this male God who took advantage of a young teenage girl. Because her, her perspective, remember, as soon as she found out, uh, she did a very human, natural thing. She, she got out of town. You know, what are you going to do with this information? She hadn't told Joseph yet who she's engaged to, and she wasn't her sure how that was going to go when she did tell him. And if you know the story, uh, it was a little shaky at first. But So she gets out of town. She goes visits her cousin Elizabeth, who she has heard through the grapevine is with child, is, gonna, is pregnant. And, and she goes to see Elizabeth, who's carrying John the Baptist, another pretty famous individual, and, and if you remember, this is kind of cool, because if you remember, when she comes in contact with Elizabeth, when they first see each other, it says that the baby that's in Elizabeth's womb jumps for joy. Remember that? So think about this, and this isn't for me. I read this this week. I'd never thought about this before. But the very first human being to celebrate the birth or the, or the fact that the new Messiah was coming was an unborn baby. Isn't that cool? So that's big stuff. But all this turned Mary's life upside down. And, and frankly, just in, from a sensible perspective, at least from as, as sensible as I can be, this doesn't seem like the way to go about it, to, to, to step into our world, especially if you want people to look at that Messiah and say, okay, here's what we've been looking for. Here's what we've been waiting for. Finally, he's arrived Everybody needs to worship him. If, if you don't want gossip, but then do it in such a big way that everybody knows how it really happened. Not in this teenage girl who's pregnant, who talks about an angel coming, and that just doesn't make sense. In fact, uh, from my perspective, which is certainly a human perspective, he's coming again. The Bible tells us that Jesus is coming again. And actually, we're seeing, he, it even lays out signs. When you see this happen, and we see that happen, know that it's getting close. It uses, in fact, it uses the birth analogy. It says, you know, that when you see these different events taking place in the world around you, those are like birth pains. They're starting to say, hey, we're getting close, you know. And so then when Christ comes the second time, it says things like this. Uh, <clears throat> actually, that, that is actually a statement that, Jesus, that Mary gave to Elizabeth. I got ahead of myself, which is, gives you her perspective on all this. She certainly didn't feel like she was being taken advantage of. She thought that it was a tremendous blessing. But, but here's where, when, when Christ returns, it said, here's how it's going to happen. The Son of Man in his day will be like lightning, which flashes and lights up the sky from one end to the other. But first he must suffer many things and be rejected by, his, by generation. So, so that seems to be more appropriate. If you really want people to notice and, and not to question who this is from and why it's happening, it's obvious from God because we all saw it. In fact, the Revelation talks about when he returns, says, look, he's coming with the clouds and every eye will see him. So that seems like a much more sensible way to do this, God, if you really want people not to question who this baby is, then really that's the, the plan. That should be the plan anyway. We'll do it that way the first time, and, and yet he didn't. And so you've got to ask your question, the question in this whole question of it's time, you've got to ask the question, we, and we've talked about why it was time culturally, what, had set, what was set up, and last week looking at the whole Roman system and all the, the ways that they had made it possible for the good news to spread very easily. But, but you still got to ask yourself, 
Why this way, God? Why, why turn a teenage girl's life upside down? Why risk her engagement? Why allow people to always whisper behind her back? Why, why this way? And he doesn't leave us in the dark about that. Because he said, when the time had fully come, God sent his son, born of a woman, born under the law, to redeem those under the law. See, there was a reason. Because he knew that the people he loved and the people that he wanted an opportunity to be redeemed from what had taken place in their life because of their sin, the fact that they had broken the law. That's you and I. That he needed, he wanted to give them an opportunity to be redeemed. This is actually slave talk here. And if you know uh, uh, the conversation, the way this is stated back in that day, it, wouldn't, it wasn't unusual. Things, if you know, uh, they, you, could, you could walk through a long, hard period in time and suddenly find yourself in debt. And then... If things got worse, you couldn't pay your debts. And, and so now you're really stuck because if you couldn't pay a debt, the law gave the recourse of the person you owed the debt to could actually make you their slave. And you would be that slave, which now it's really going to be impossible for you to pay them back because you, now you're working for them as a slave. You would be their slave until someone who cared would step forward and say, I will redeem them. I will pay the price for what they owe. And see, that's what's all wrapped up in the why. Why didn't Jesus just step into that world, in our world, like he's going to the second time with all the power and glory and every eye and the lightning and the whole thing that, that, that caused everyone to say, okay, we know he's here. Why do it the way he did? And he did it because it's what we needed so we could be in relationship with him. Jesus made this statement. He said, I didn't come to abolish the law or the prophets. I came to fulfill them, to make sure that everything you and I owed was covered. I ran across this story a number of years ago about a young, young lady named Beth Ann. And, and Beth Ann was just getting ready to graduate from medical school. Had done really well, and she's going to become a, a doctor. And she has called her mom, and they're talking, and her mom's talking to her about, you know, they want to come. Her and her father want to come and, and be at the graduation, how excited they are. And, and in the conversation, Beth Ann, there's, a, there's this moment where Beth Ann. Her, and her dad was a farmer, by the way. And, and Beth Ann says to her, to her mom, you know, Mom, Dad doesn't really need to come. You know, I know he's busy. I know he's got, if he's got to get the livestock feeding covered, and there's a lot of things going on right now. And, and so he doesn't, you know, tell Dad, he doesn't, doesn't really have to come to my graduation. It'll it, be fine if he, if he can't make it. And the mother, who's a wise woman, reads between the lines. There's more to this. And so she says, honey, she says, uh, what's going on? Why don't you want your father to come? And, and so there's this moment of transparency and honesty that, 
probably Beth Ann had been carrying around her heart for years, and she said, well, well Mom, it's not, it's not that. It's, you remember when, when uh, I first started going to grade school, and uh, first school program I had, and, and, and you and you and Dad came, and, and uh, I, you probably don't remember this, but, you know, Dad just, he was in old coveralls and, you know, beat-up boots, and, and he just, Mom, it was just a little embarrassing. All the other parents, you, you Mom, you wore a nice dress, and, and all these other parents had dressed up for the program, and, and here's my dad, and, and, I, and just, it embarrassed me. And, you know, that's, that was kind of the story, Mom. Every, every time I, you know, Dad always wanted to be at everything, but... You know, he just always looked so ragged. And, and you know, Mom, this, this graduation thing, this is a big deal. And, and there, there's going to be, you know, lots of dignitaries there and important people and my friends' parents. And, and everybody's going to be dressed to the hilt. And, yeah, I just, you know, I, it's just kind of embarrassing, Mom. You know, it just would be better if Dad stayed home. That's why his mother said, uh, honey, uh, there's something you need to know. You remember that first program you were talking about? And you probably don't remember it, but you asked if you could have dress and the new shoes for the program. And, and your dad had been looking because he, he wanted to look nice too, so he was going to order him some dress shoes. And, and you had a lot of dresses, but you wanted a new dress. And and when I talked to your dad about it, we didn't have the money to, to do both. And so dad said, oh, no, I want Beth Ann to look pretty. I want her to have her dress. So your dad just wore his old clothes so that you could have something nice and new. And, and you know, that was the story, Beth Ann. Over and over again, I would say, hey, honey, you need to get something, you know, get a new suit, get... get uh, no, Beth Ann needs this, and, and every, that's always been the story. Your dad dresses like he dresses because you went to medical school. And, and I would say, honey, you need something, some new jeans. And he'd say, oh, no, we, right now we need to, Beth Ann needs money to live on. And, and this has been the story. It's, it's never that he didn't want to look nice. It was always about you. Why did God step into our world in such a humble way, in such a way that could be so misrepresented as a baby born in a manger of suspicious circumstances? Because he didn't do what was best for him. He did what was best for us. We needed someone to take on flesh and blood and live a life without sin to redeem us from what should have taken place in our life because of sin. And he was willing to take that humble beginning on our behalf. There's the why. And so if you've never responded to that, or if you look at that story and you say, well, you know, it's never made sense to me. Why? You know, if this is really God in the flesh, why do it? Well, that's why. Because he loves you. And he loves me. And he wants you in a relationship with him. And the only way that could happen is for him to provide a way for you and I to be forgiven. 
So he lived a perfect sin-filled life and then died for the sins of us. So if you've never accepted that gift, that's the Christmas gift. This would be a day to make that decision. It's not about religion. It's not about lists. It's not about do's and don'ts. It's about a God who loves you so much that he provided everything necessary for you to be forgiven and restored in your relationship with him. And he offers it as you and I as a gift. You have to decide whether to accept it or reject it. Now, some of you have already accepted it. And, but your question is, has always been as we walk through this series is, you know, the things that are going on in your life right now, the timing, the circumstances, it's, you know, God, why? Well, if nothing else, I hope this story reminds you and reminds me that when God does something, it's always the right way. It's always the right time. It's always for the right reasons. So whatever you're walking through, trust him. He's got you covered. Father, thank you for this reminder in this beautiful, wonderful story that is so wrapped up in your heart for us. We ask those questions as we look at the details and the circumstances, and, and it's easy for us to wonder, why this way, God? And thanks for giving us insight into that. And, and I do pray, if there's someone here, Lord, that has never accepted that gift of forgiveness, a restored relationship, being adopted into your family, that you're offering, that maybe today's the day that they'll make that decision. Or at least... Be open to investigate it, ask more questions. And for the rest of us, Lord, that so often we struggle with your timing, we struggle with the circumstances, we, we have a tendency to think that maybe you don't know what you're doing. I hope that this has been a reminder that you know exactly what you're doing, and what you're doing is the very best, because you love us. Thanks for your word. Thanks for this time together. Help us to know how to take the truth that you've taught us and apply it to our week ahead. Pray these things in your son's name. Amen. Humbly to the earthly king.
Sounded great this morning. We'll see you next time.